competitive 40K network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. And now your host, Tim Penny and the Art of War coaches. Hello and welcome to the Art of War 40K, your podcast for high-level strategy and tactics and detailed list breakdown from the top players around the world. I'm your host, Tim Penny, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, John Lennon. Welcome, John. Hello, hello. It is good to be here, as always. Yeah, I think you were on a vacation recently. Uh, do anything cool? Uh, you know what? I wish that I did, but I actually took an entire week and did not play a game of 40K. Uh, you know... Went to North Carolina, visited family, you know, all the, all the boring stuff that's, you know, I didn't roll a single dice in a week. So I, I had to come back. Yeah, honestly, I mean, sometimes it's good just kind of get that, you know, that time away, just kind of reset everything. But it sounds like you had a good time. Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, uh, John has just quite the resume. Uh, and this is why you should listen to him. He's, I think, currently, uh, you're now number two in the ITC or you're still number three. I can't remember. Uh, I'll assume that uh, Tim is uh, making fun of me, but I am neither of those numbers. Oh, no, you got bumped down. I don't have to update my notes. I had you a third in ITC. Well, that's okay. The next super major that comes out, I'm sure John will win it. Probably won in Texas. Uh, John is also <laughs> the best uh, Space Marines of the 2019 season, best Tyranids 2017, uh, winner of Crucible 2019, Iron Halo 2020. Dallas Open 2021, Lone Star Open 2021, winner of Charity Hammer GT 2021, has the key to the state of Texas, and he was the runner-up to uh, GW Open Orlando. Uh, We have a uh, special episode for you guys today. We're actually joined by not one, but two uh, decorated archons, denizens of the deep. Uh, One, Mr. Anthony Vanella. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you, Tim. Hello. How are you? Doing good, man. How you been? Doing great, especially the last couple weeks. All right. Yeah, you've been on a tear, man. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Anthony and I are good friends. We talk uh, talk a bunch on the Best in Faction Discord, uh, which, by the way, is, if you guys are not members, you should totally uh, go over and check that out. Uh, it's run by uh, Colin Sherman uh, at all from the Best in Faction podcast. Anthony is currently ranked five in the ITC overall. I believe he's number three for Jakari, very close to number two. Uh, and he got third at the Dallas Open, seventh at Atlantic City Open, and he's won two GTs uh, so far this season. I think both were in the past month. Was that correct? Yeah, back-to-back weekends with the last two weekends. Awesome. Uh, and then he was also a charity hammer, and he uh, he definitely made a name for himself there. He's just all around a great guy and definitely one to watch. Uh, our other guest, uh, you may not be aware of, but if you aren't, you totally should, is Mr. Ruben Fernandez. Welcome, Ruben. Hello, hello. Uh, Ruben is actually from my local meta, and he is the one making sure that none of us get to ever podium at any uh, events locally. Uh, he has been around for a while, and actually uh, the last season, or 2019 season, I think he finished 19th overall in the standings. Uh, he was on uh, ATC with uh, Florida Men. If you don't remember, that was the team with Richard Siegler and John Lennon and Mark Perry and all of them before they became uh, Art of War aficionados, uh, just totally tearing it up. He's podium multiple times with several majors, even won an Ironman GT where he went through uh, John and Nick and one of his teammates, uh, Richard Martin, which is pretty cool. Uh, he's won multiple Art of War TTS leagues and honestly, probably just a bunch of other stuff that we're forgetting. Does any of that sound right, Ruben? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, absolute terror. He's taken down pretty much if there is a big name at a, at a podium uh, or a major event, Ruben has it probably at some point taken down. So he's also one to watch. I feel uh, so what like we're gonna I do today. 
I, I've got to Go say ahead. one more thing about Ruben. Uh, Ruben is the uh, the third musketeer behind the dreaded Berviathan. Uh, it was not Richard and I who came up with it. It was Richard and I and Ruben. There you go. So he's he's the one. Uh, if you submit an extra five dollars uh, to the Patreon, I can give you his address and you can uh, throw eggs at his house. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't complain because I brought the Proviathan too. And uh, Ruben also <laughs> recently won the uh, Saltier Classic GT, a GT down here in the uh, South Florida Miami area, uh, where he actually ran a very unique list. I believe it was all Witch Cult, uh, kind of almost as a meme, but then he ended up taking down the whole thing. But we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. So, uh, Ruben, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, doing good. Just relaxing. Happy to hear with the boys. Sweet. Well, I wanted to do something a little bit different. We actually brought on two different uh, Jakari Archons. We kind of did a little collaboration and kind of uh, almost not like a full-on debate, but kind of like idea sharing uh, because these two lists are very different. So what we're going to do is we're going to go one by one. We're just going to have them just run down their list from top to bottom, and then we're really going to dig into it. So, um Anthony, let's go ahead and start with you. Just give us your list. Uh, don't don't go too much deep into it. We'll go into it afterwards, but just run it down top to bottom. Cool. So the first detachment is a Dark Technomancer's detachment. You may have thought they were gone, but they are only mostly gone. Um, so their buff still works on Kronos. So we have Drazar, with, who is my warlord in that detachment, with a unit of five racks with an electrocrosive whip on the Akathist. Two units of three Kronos. Um, they're naked aside from a single spirit probe on one guy in the squad. Um, the next detachment is a Cult of Strife detachment, like everybody else. Um, it has a Succubus with the Triptech Whip and Competitive Edge. She is also a show stealer, so she can run away from people. My next unit is a unit of Hecatrix Blood Brides with the Strength Drug. They have the Moravane's Agonizer Relic on them to prevent fallbacks, as well as a Shardnet Impaler. Aside from that, it's just eight base ladies. Um, there's a unit of five Incubi in that detachment, as well as ten Hellions with the Attack Drug. The last detachment, uh, like most Yukari lists, it just goes and goes, <laughs> is a Cabal of a Blackheart detachment with a Court of the Archon with four Sliths and four Urgles. It also has a Master Archon with the Jin Blade and Ancient Evil for a guaranteed fight last. He, there's a unit of Trueborn with two Blasters, a Dark Lance, and a Phantasm Grenade Launcher on the Sergeant. There are two more units of five Incubi in that unit, and then four Raiders, three of which have Grizzly Trophies. And that is it. All right. Uh, and then, Ruben, why don't you go ahead and run us down, uh, run down your list for us? Sure. So... Mine starts with a Cult of Strife detachment, and there's three of these in this list. Um, HQ for this one is a Succubus, who's a show stealer. She has a triptych whip and precision blows. Then we have a unit of uh, 10 witches with a Shardaran Impaler and Morvane's Agonizer. Then two identical units of 10 witches, both with a Shardnet and Impaler. All of my witches in this list have the strength drug, so I'm not going to keep repeating that. Um, on the fast attack slot, we have five Hellions with the uh, extra attack drug. Second detachment is headed by an Archon, just with the Venom Blade and Ancient Evil. Again, for the guaranteed fight last, that's very, very useful for a combat army. Um, then we have 10 Naked Witches, uh, no upgrades there. Then eight Naked Witches and five Naked Witches, a unit of five Hellions, 
and also with the attack rogue, and then uh, a unit of five of three reavers with the plus one ballistic skill, plus one leadership drug, and an agonizer and a heat lance on the champion. Then four raiders, all with dark lances, no, no other upgrades. And then on the last attachment, we have another Archon. This guy is a Splinter Genius, and he has the Gin Blade and Hatred Eternal for all the rerolls. Um, then we have uh, three units of five witches, again, all with a strength drug. Uh, and then on the fast attack slot, two units, two identical units of three Reavers, again, with a plus one uh, ballistic skill, plus one leadership drug. And again, both with the champion having an Agonizer and a Heat Lance. And three more graders, all with dark lances and no upgrades. And that wraps up the list. All right. Yeah, two very different styles. I'm loving it. Um, so what I think we're going to do is normally uh, we kind of just really go into details. We brought up our, like, hey, what's your CP budget and what's your like your strategy use and everything? I kind of want to go a little bit more into like almost like the flow and the concepts of the list. And then at that point, we just kind of start bouncing the ideas off each other. Uh, so we'll start with Anthony. Like when you made this list – what was the general concept? Like, why did you make the choices you made? Why did you make the squad sizes you make? And why did you take the unit choices you did? So I'm coming to Yukari from Blood Angels. Uh, and if you've ever played Blood Angels, you're probably familiar with that all-in, you know, back-breaking, go-getter play style. Um, I wanted to kind of keep the spirit of that alive, if not the sub-faction itself. Um, so... A lot of the lens that I see Drukari through is through the idea of setting up big, what I will frequently refer to as um, a go turn. There'll be a turn in the game, typically turn two, but sometimes turn three, uh, where I'm setting up a scenario where I'm engaging anywhere from three to seven fights just all at once. Um, if I can successfully land that turn and navigate it correctly, the game typically ends at that point. Um, but the onus is kind of on me at that stage to make sure that I execute that typically fight phase correctly. Um, there's a good bit of shooting in this list, but it's mostly ancillary and to take out targets that I don't want to have to commit melee resources to. Um, the Kronos do a great job of clearing out nonsense like Admech dogs or Admech infiltrators. Um, or, you know, kind of anything with that, like, sweet spot to wound profile. Um, but, yeah, the, the flow of the game is typically that the Kronos advance turn one and just kind of exist somewhere in the midboard with the Raiders moving into a position such that they, when people get out and charge and advance from the Raiders, or get out, advance, and charge from the Raiders, that I can engage on multiple fronts kind of all at the same time and pin my opponent either in their deployment zone in an ideal world or at least on their half. Um, and that's kind of the tempo I play the game at. I try basically in all my matchups to be the beatdown, the controller of the pace. It's a very tempo-based list. Um, it's not doing a lot of like cute objective jank. It's mostly just getting in there and doing what this new and improved Yukari Codex does best of delivering glass cannon units into melee and making with the murder. All right, you love to see it. Uh, Ruben, your turn. Walks through your list. So mine operates... Similarly, I would say it's um, 
Well, not exactly similarly. So I, my play style is slightly different. I like to, I'm, I'm a bit more reactive and, uh, you know, like to like to punish positioning errors or micro misplays. So really going for the fastest possible Drakari allows me to do that. Um, you know, just speed in game is, in my opinion, what allows you to kind of out, not just not outplay, but essentially, um, punish mistakes, uh, and, and, uh, and, and kind of manipulate the board in your favor in game, you know, not so much as a, as a game, the game plan, it's the game plan. It's not so much a game plan. The game plan is to, is to adapt, is to have the most adaptable list possible to what's happening on the board at that time. And I think this list does that spectacularly well. Uh, it's got everything that's fast in the book, you know, um, strife and, and then, you know, army-wide fight first, which is bananas in the GW format, which is what this list was wrote, written for. Um, it plays really well into the... I mean, we're not going to go into matchups, but it, it, it just plays really well uh, primary game. It has extremely good play into um, Herd the Prey or Engage or Stranglehold or any of those, uh, or any of those secondaries. Um, and um, it just hits really hard in combat when it needs to as well. Um, you know, I find that um, really my biggest decision-making point in writing this list was whether to bring Incubi or not. And, uh, you know, Incubi are amazing. I think that um, their favorite targets are Marines. I played a bunch with this army into uh, Marines of all flavors, you know, Dreadnought Marines, Close Combat Marines, uh, you know, Black Templars, White Scars, Ultramarines, the whole thing. And at the end of the day, uh, into, into Dreadnoughts, the minus one damage makes them irrelevant. Into uh, Combat Marines, yes, uh, Banger Vets will die much quicker to Incubi, but uh, I was able to play the game better with more upsec and more Witches. So, Witches it was. So, um, it, it has it's some shooting. Uh, it's, it's got the Heat Lances on the bikes and it has the Dark Lances, which, you know, there's no rerolls in this list. Everything is Strife but it's still Dark Lances. So uh, in the mirror match, it allows me to demech the opponent about as quickly as they would demech me and, uh, and then just play a, a better, a better uh, close combat game. Um, again, it's an extremely reactive list. It's, an, it's extremely fast. Uh, I, can be, I can be anywhere on the board, wherever I want it to be. Um, and that's kind of the play style that I favor. So... Uh, and I love playing it. I absolutely love witches, which is the best part. <laughs> it's a funny story. Uh, um, I was, I think, one of Nick's first uh, coach coaching clients, and uh, at one point he wrote a list for me, which it was a bunch of witches and raiders, and then skyweavers following them up. And I loved that list until I ran into Tao at the time, which you know, Triptide Tao was not good for that kind of army. So. Uh, I'm just very happy that I can run it. Now. I mean, a similar concept now, and it's viable, and I'm just absolutely in love with it. All right. Well, I would say the one of the very first things that jumped out to me when I'm looking at your guys' list and how they differ, I mean, there's obviously several different units, um, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, Ruben, but the first one I noticed that uh, just due to the nature of your list, the theme that you went with, you don't have that uh, that Raider with the Trueborn in it. Um I want to know uh, how did that how did that feel to you like not running that not having that like that single gunboat that was running around give you that 
you know, that double activation with the fire and fade, you know, and just getting angles and having that like one source of a really good quality shooting that a lot of dark auto players seem to find invaluable. Um, I, I love Trueborn. I've, I've pretty much before running this, every single Dark Elder list that I ran had Trueborn in it. Uh, they're an excellent target for the, to the last. They hit really hard in shooting. They actually are very hard to kill, despite what you may think, looking at their stats. And they survive most games. Um, I didn't miss them at all. Uh, you know, I went into this. I, I went into this list knowing that I was not going to have uh, to the last play at all. Uh, that was kind of built into the list, and I was just going to roll with it. Um, and once you once you accept that, uh, the Trueborn are I, I, again. I didn't miss them. I really didn't miss them. You know, I have almost seventy witches. You know, that's more than enough opsec that just. Trades insanely well once it's an, an objective or holding something in combat, um, which is you know how the list functions. Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically just swarming the objectives. And you're just playing the mission so hard and just kind of almost going up the table that just little extra tools almost kind of didn't matter. Is what it sounds like. Well, also the uh, the the um, the reavers kind of filled that role as well. It's three lances with uh, BS two, so you know it's not it's not terrible. Um, and they're also really, really fast. They're probably the fastest unit in the game that's not a flyer. 26-inch uh, move with a charge or 18-inch move plus shooting plus charge. And then you get the strife plus one to charge. And then you can get the rivals, uh, unit, a unit of Hellions for an additional plus one inch and reroll hits. You know, I mean, it's just so fast. And there's still enough little ancillary units uh, that can jump around and do things that... Um, I wouldn't say the army doesn't have tools. It definitely has tools. They're just different. They're not, you know, your usual court of the archon, trueborn, et cetera, et cetera. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, Anthony, what do you what do you think when do you when you're reading Ruben's list? Does anything uh, jump out to you or anything you, like you want to ask him? I kind of almost want to get play you guys off each other here a little bit here. I just I miss my reavers every day. I used to run them. Uh, I ran a nine man, so looking at his list and seeing nine of them makes me weep. I ran a stupid big block of them because. Uh, my local is a lot of like big stupid block units um, that you need to be able to like one round or you're gonna die. Um, so like I can't really do like the three three man's thing, but it's real. I think that part's really cool. Um, my trueborn more often than not in a laughable amount of matchups are bait. Uh, I'll throw them just like to the wolves, and someone will commit to them and be like, "Ha ha, I got your trueborn!" And then I like violently table the rest of their army because they put a bunch of resources into killing the trueborn. Um, that happens, I would say, at least twice a tournament where I put the trueborn into a position that's like semi hidden so that it's like inconvenient to get to. And then people inconvenience themselves greatly to kill them. And then they die to the melee stuff or they undercommit to the Kronos or vice versa. So I could have like the trueborn aren't like the most important part of my list. The court, however, is crucial. Um, and that might be more of a player difference. Why don't you go ahead and watch um, through that? Why is this so important to you? I know some people take it for uh, to the last. Is that the only reason or is it for other reasons? I think I've heard you say sometimes you don't even take don't to even, the last. Yeah, I have never once taken either while we stand, we fight or to the last. Um, so that court unit exists because I think I've lost like six or seven times total with Drukari. And two of those have been to Tyranids. Um... I have a player failing of myself where I am not always great at screening my home objective from nonsense like Termagants or Hormagants or 
insert bug unit here that runs into my backfield and yoinks my objective away from my mere five racks. The court was my solution to that. My court just entirely take up an objective, and if someone wants to, like, nonsense near them, the court will just murder them. And I don't really have to think about it as much. Because what I was finding was pretty often a lot of these, a lot of lists, either, like, Tyranid GSC, or just, like, in general, have something that can deep strike closer to you than normal, or just at all, and then murder five racks, and then my home objective is gone, now parts of my army have to turn around, and it's a nightmare. So my solution to that was the court unit. Um, in matchups where that's not necessary, they're a great bully unit to go along with the Kronos and that kind of like earlier wave stuff to like gum up space and take up objectives and so on and so forth. It's also nice to have another unit uh, of note. I never put them in a raider. They always just start on the table behind a wall, and they kind of just hang out there until turn three, which is when they get their invul. Um, which is typically when I'll start using them, unless someone feeds me something tasty. Um, it is worth noting that the Kronos give you the ability to put units on turn 5 power from pain with a stratagem. So you can often, if someone leaves something in the midfield, uh, you can charge the court into it, eat it up, and then just jump to turn 5, even if it is as early as turn 1. Um, because they are a Cabal of the Blackheart, so they'll get advance and charge on turn 1. So I've done that play once or twice. It's uh, pretty clutch when you pull that off. But yeah, that's the purpose of the court. They have been uh, very, very instrumental in the wins that I've had following Charity Hammer. That was actually a list change that I made while I was at Charity Hammer. Uh, after I lost to Tyler, I was sitting and talking to Nick and Brad Chester a bit. Um, and I was like, I got to make a change. I don't know what to do. And they, were, you know, they asked if I had ever played a court. I said no. And now here we are. They're like one of the most important units in my list. The court right, is... You love to see it. Honestly, the court is like the single biggest thing I miss uh, from Ruben's list because it's pure witch cult. Uh, there's so much benefits to being a you know Slanesh army that actually has access to stratagems and data sheets, um, which is all that I will acknowledge witch cult as just Slanesh with stratagems. Um, but man, I, <laughs> I I I miss that court of the Archon. Um, obviously, I've I've used it myself several times. And uh, it certainly packs a kick. You know, I'm, I'm happy to see that it, uh, you know, found its way into your list, Anthony. Yeah, it was an absolute game changer. Uh, just having something that's like thick and durable um, as like a, a bit more of like a, a meta poke. Uh, this list is really good against a lot of the free Buddha's orc stuff that happened because it's really hard for them to cop a first kill against me because everything's either a raider that's likely minus one to hit, a Kronos, or a court unit in cover. And that is really annoying for orcs to get rid of. Yeah, yeah I can definitely that. see that stops them from getting that momentum. Uh, another unit, uh, I guess you could almost say literally the 800-pound uh, gorilla uh, in the room would be uh, the the Kronos. Uh, Ruben, I know you've messed around with them a little bit, and we're gonna and you also run them a little bit different to Anthony. And I definitely want to touch on that uh, real quick but before we go into that. Uh, Anthony, why don't you go ahead and run us down the stat line of a Kronos? And what it does, I know it's got some special rules, and you also kind of hinted at it with the Dark Technomancers. So for someone who uh, at home, maybe it, there's, there's a lot of people because of COVID that haven't been going to events, and they haven't been bad touched by Kronos, or they haven't shot at one, and uh, just watched as it just doesn't die. Why don't you go ahead and just run us down like their, their defensive and offensive stat line, and also their extra abilities that they have. Cool. All right. Strap in, folks. This is a bit of, a, bit of an essay. 
So Kronos are what I frequently refer to as a black hole that shooting goes into and nothing comes out of. Um, I've seen them face tank like 15 to 1600 points of admech shooting and just shrug it off with one dead dude from the six total. Um, they are literally monsters. Um, so base stat wise, they're movement eight. They are weapon skill four. They're ballistic skill three, though that one doesn't matter because they have flamers, which we'll get to in a second. They are toughness six. They have seven wounds, which is an irritating amount. Um, and they have four attacks and their leadership nine. The leadership only really matters because they can't fail morale. You can kill two, um, and there's just no morale check unless you have like a whole bunch of negatives and then they start failing. But that it's pretty unlikely to end up in that scenario. Defensively, they have a three-up armor save. They have a power campaign and vuln, which is either a six or a five, depending on what turn it is in the game state. And then they have a five-up feel no pain. So they take a lot of shooting to put down. Um, offensively, they have normally, before Dark Techno factors in, they have a Strength 5, AP 2, Damage 1 Flamer. That is Damage 2 on 6s. Because of Dark Technomancers, this becomes plus 1 to Wound, and Damage 2, Damage 3 on 6s. And that's the Kronos. Alright, uh, and then uh, and then Ruben, uh, I was actually talking to Anthony about this. You run your uh, Kronos a little bit differently, not so much the big squads. Why don't you go ahead and run us down how you run them and why you run them that way? Because I think it kind of fits into your playstyle of like the hyper MSU. So yeah, in my case, I've also run Kronos a lot. I uh, I do enjoy them. Uh, I have a bit of a different opinion on them. I um, So my take on it is uh, two or one man squads are great because they don't attract they're not attractive enough to shoot serious things into and it's still very, very durable. Um, and uh, they can still do the same job. You know, they still have the flamer. They still have, you know, the same mobility. They're still un unknowingly seven wounds, which really honestly, seven wounds with a five of no pain is extremely annoying to get rid of. Uh, but in my, in my experience, I mean, maybe I've been unlucky, but the three-man units, when they get targeted down, they definitely get taken down. Um, it's, it's not, especially by shooting armies, it's not an immortal unit, uh, at least not in my experience. So in my, what, what, I've, what I've found success in is, you know, uh, either two by two, which is eight power level each. Uh, so in, in matchups or in terrain where there's not a lot of cover, I can reserve them both for two CP. Or uh, two one one if I'm running a uh, a real space raid, uh, which is also a pretty cool way uh, to run them that I like. I like the single man Chronos units are stupidly annoying to get rid of because uh, I mean I, I, I'm sure John can because he is God, but you know there's uh, for us mere mortals to decide exactly how much to commit to a single Chronos unit that's annoying your flank and about to take an objective from you. It's almost impossible to do over the board. So. That's 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 kind of how I like to run Chronos, but again, I mean, I'm, I'm just a sucker for the ultra MSU, ultra annoying, be everywhere kind of playstyle. Yeah, I don't. Man, the, the Chronos has always been tricky for me because when you run it as the single man, it you lose that ability to regenerate models, which is honestly the biggest part of uh, the black hole, as uh, as Anthony calls it. The problem isn't that I can't kill a Chronos; it's that I can kill a Chronos and then it somehow returns the battlefield. As if there's some dark elder apothecary that you don't actually pay points for that's just kind of floating around. 
Yeah, he works in the back of the shop. You yeah, don't really get to see him much. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know all about that bodyguard rule, huh, John? <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, moving on a little bit, I, I actually kind of wanted to backtrack a little bit to where you both were talking about how neither of you were building for To The Last slash While We Stand. And, you know, at least, you know, with Witch Call, you don't really take it. Anthony has never taken it. Um, I have to ask, what do your secondaries end up as? Um, obviously, Dark Eldar has some great codex secondaries. They generally do score very well, but at least when I play Dark Eldar, I really enjoyed having that uh, kind of in my pocket where if there wasn't really a good third choice, I could just be like, oh, I'll just take to the last while we stand and that'll be fine. I'll get a 15 on that. Uh, so the question for each of you, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you both end up taking uh, either Herd the Prey or Stranglehold Engaged in All Friends pretty much every game. And uh, I think we all know why that's good. But I am curious what the other ones are that you find yourself taking most often and how it works out for you. So, uh, Ruben, do you want to start us off there? Sure. So, for me, uh, usually, I want to say banners, but banners, a lot of the times, it's a trap. So, my usual go-to on the second one in that list is uh, Retrieve Octarius Data. Um, so, I have so much MSU, and it's so fast that it's almost impossible to stop the small witch units from scoring that uh, late game. So, my usual minimum is 8. I usually score 12 every game, um, particularly with Hellions, because, uh, you know, I can always save a Hellion unit for, you know, you know turn 3 or 4 or 5 or whatever it is, or a, a random witch or a random Hellion survives somewhere, and then they just score it. Uh, it, I, it's, I just have so much infantry and so many different units that it's very hard to stop. So that's number two. Uh, and then number three, it just depends on the mission or the opponent. Um, that's how I've been rolling with it. You know, um, either assassinate if the, if the opponent allows it or, uh, or kill points. I always forget the name of that secondary. Um, uh, or big game or anything like that that's uh, this kind of uh, opponent-based um, um it's, it's where I end up going, yeah. All right, Anthony, what you got for us? So I take Herd the Prey in every single game, as we talked about. I'd actually never deviate from that. I don't take Stranglehold or Engage ever. Um, the other secondaries that I take will depend actually a little bit on the event type. Um, if it is an event where there is guaranteed to only be one undefeated, I am perfectly happy to take lower scoring secondaries that fit my game plan of like breaking people's castles and killing their characters. Um, once or twice at the Goonhammer Open and similarly at the um, GTA I did the week prior in uh, at Mythicos, um, I took Assassinate when it can only give me 10 because I knew that I would get them. And, or rather, I was confident that I was get them. I did, so I guess you could say I knew in retrospect. Um, and that was something that I was already trying to do, rather than having to manage something like grind them down or something to that effect. Um, similarly, the difference between rod and banners is heavily mission dependent, but also, again, event dependent. Uh, if I need a 15 out of the matchup, I will take banners and then just blast my army into them. Um, besides the dudes that raised banners to keep them off my banners so that I can score them the whole way through. Um, and yeah, that's like pretty much the main ones. It's usually herd, banners or rod, and then murder or mission uh, is how I kind of break it up in my head when I'm like at the point of selecting secondaries. 
thankfully, the two new books that are released just hand me two secondaries, typically, and then Herd fills out the third, and we call it a day with a boar assassinate and Herd. But not every matchup is that matchup. I do honestly appreciate uh, that. And, you know, Anthony have, and I have talked about this a couple of times. Uh, Anthony's priorities are just straight-up violence. Uh, he he sees Dark Eldar as an army that's very good at inflicting damage output, and boy, does he lean into it. And uh, I actually really like that, you know, I know Ruben appreciates more, you know, not to say that one is right or wrong, but uh, Ruben definitely likes the more finesse scoreboard, and Anthony likes killing people so hard that he wins the game. And clearly it's worked out well for both of you. Yeah, it's just a matter of picking secondary so that my murderous tendencies also give me points. There you go. Diabolical and cunning indeed. <laughs> Absolutely diabolical. Uh, I like murder too, by the way, just putting it out there. Murder is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of blood on your soft hands, I know. 100%. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking on. of blood, real, real, real quick, uh, Anthony, also just one thing I noticed uh, real quick when I was looking through your list. Uh, you have Blood Brides, which is a unit I have not seen in actually like a while. Uh, run us through your choice there real quick of uh, Blood Brides uh, before, before we... That is, then we'll actually move on for real. I know we've been bouncing all over. That is the... the what I consider the oddest hill that I've chosen to die on. Um, a lot of people say that the 20 points isn't worth it because um, it's just, you know, it's a 20 point difference between a regular unit of witches and Blood Brides, but I'm only taking one unit of witches um, and the 20 points in my list wouldn't gain me anything. So it's super worth it. They have a, it gives them a weapon skill of two. So at worst they hit on threes, um, which means even if someone is minus one on turn two or minus two for some reason after turn three, um, they're still going to hit on um, at worst threes and they can pretty easily keep that at twos. Um, so that combined with rerolls that you can get from something like Prey on the Week, which is a stratagem that you can use against injured units, keeps that unit, you know, punching at full efficiency kind of regardless of target. And on top of that, they have the ability to, uh, when they roll a six, you know, most Rikari, it's AP one. There's adds three AP. So your Agonizer becomes AP six, your Impaler becomes AP five, and your regular Lady Witchblades become AP four. Um, those are great into Admech, but also makes them like weirdly spicy at killing Redemptors and Dreadnoughts, uh, especially if they're ones without an Invuln, once you use the two CP four you roll to wound. Because um, every six is just like damage straight through with no, no touching, no saves. Just take that damage, Mister Dreadnought. So yeah, building on my previous theory of murder, they are great at that. Um, a cute little trick that you can also pull with them because they're a little bit more murdery than witches is spending the cult of strife strat to jump over screens and getting into like a brick of characters and putting three to four witches on each character and just killing like three characters at once. I've done that twice. Ruben, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this, especially because you had a, I think a missed opportunity here to lean into the meme and put at least one squad in your list. I, I love blood brights. I've ran them so much. The, the extra ran just, I mean, John can attest to this. It just makes gene stealers so freaking sad because it's still cheaper than it's so much cheaper than a gene stealer. And it's just better in every single way. Um, but uh, it's it's twenty points that it's essentially two heat lances or some upgrades here or there that I I I don't know I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to do it Tim I couldn't bring myself to do it I get it like I mean I, I I've again I've run them so much I run them a lot they're extremely fun and I love I mean the AP five on the impaler is just hilarious um, 
This one you tell people, oh, what's your, it's AP5. Okay, I guess I don't get to save that. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in my case, I just have so many witches that at the end of the day, it ends up not mattering. Um, and I have pulled that same trick of jumping over screens, by the way. It's, it's super fun. We love it. All right. Uh, well, I think that finally wraps us up on the unit. Sorry to bounce around a little bit there, but I just kind of saw it and I was like, man, I, I have to ask. Uh, John, what, uh, what, do you, what do you think? What's next for us on the docket? All right. John has gotten sucked into the warp. I, will, uh, I think what I want to ask about is uh, CP and stratagem use. I'm assuming I, most of it. Are you here, John? I, I'm back. I, I was briefly okay. seized and taken away into the webway, but I, I got right back in it. So All right. um, I was about yeah. to ask about CP and stratagem use, unless you want to ask about something else. I'm no. assuming it's mostly for buffing up your, your guys' uh, strife units, but uh, if we want to get into the details of it. I, I actually did. Uh, that, that's actually exactly where I'm going, by the way. Um, and I did actually want to get into it a little bit, just because, um, you know, with Dark Eldar, you know, when they came out, and especially since I played it, since I, uh, I jumped off the bandwagon or off the raider well before uh, a nerf dropped in, um, we kind of lost two CP. And Dark Eldar just have so many stratagems that you you can't use all of them. And I think it's a little bit of a trap to try to. You just have more good stratagems than you have command points in any list, even if you literally start at 12, which, you know, honestly is a good problem to have for a codex. Uh, you know, there are many codexes who are jealous of that. Um, so I kind of wanted to ask what stratagems you see as traps specifically and which ones you've actually found as like mainstay use every games. Anthony, you want to kick that one off for us? Sure. Um, as far as traps go, um, anything involving a command point reroll and a dark glance, just don't do it. Just save yourself the pain. It's going to be a one. Don't do that to yourself. Um, the other one that I see people talk about a ton, but I've literally never used is hyperstim backlash, which I'm sure Ruben maybe uses because he's got literally all witches. And if he doesn't use it, no one should use it. Um, yeah, I just never have looked at my like witch unit and been like, I would much rather you have an extra attack than full reroll to wounds or plus one strength or whatever permutation of that may be. Um, yeah, there's no. That's pretty much the two that where I'm like, uh, I don't really use those. The ones I use a ton are prey on the weak. Um, I feel like I don't see people talking about this one enough. It's really easy to pull like one dude off a squad. And then give a unit that's very far away from your Archon, or maybe doesn't even get rerolls from him, reroll once to hit in melee. Um, and if, God forbid, the unit falls below half, you get full rerolls, which is insanity. Um, so that stratagem is extremely good. I use a lot of the Strife ones a bunch. Um, reroll wounds, the 1CP flip belts, the 1CP turn off Overwatch, that sort of um, stuff. And then probably the other one that's like the most commonly used is the 1CP chrono stratagem to put a unit on turn five powerful gain. So the way that one works is either the chronos or a unit within six inches of a chronos has to kill a unit, completely wipe it. If they do that, you spend one CP and that unit now has turn five power from pain benefits for the rest of the game. Gnarly. Um, Ruben, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the same question right at you. So I've never used Hyperstain Backlash once. Uh, it's a complete trap. Yep. Uh, never use it ever. It's not good. Um, two CP is not worth that at all. Uh, really, most of my CP are used on Art of the Kill, the reroll to wounds. Uh, it's just so good. <laughs> it's just so, so freaking good. Um, then just quality of life stuff. Like, uh, I mean, and, and, and again, yes, uh, do exactly what Anthony said. Never, ever reroll a Dark Lance. Hit or wound 
or damage or anything related to a dark lance ever. Just don't. Um, then, uh, so Art of the Kill, uh, flip bills for one CP, uh, ignore Overwatch. I mean, really, those are just the best stratagems we have. Uh, lightning fast reactions when it's clutch, and I think I can get my opponent to commit more resources to killing something that they should. Um, uh, enhance either sales, of course, if I want to reposition a raider somewhere interesting, that's always very useful. Um, you know, I said, uh, it's like you said, John, like there's just so many good stratagems that you can't use them all. Um, and really, uh, at, uh, the, the one thing that my army does uh, really well is interrupted combat. So that's, I, I always see my list as playing 2CP up just because of that. I never have to interrupt. So um, it's, uh, it, it just, it just in my mind, it lets me just use Art of the Kill one more time. Oh, and one thing that I always use now, and really I like the Reavers, it's kind of the same reason why... Anthony's uh, kind of the same purpose for Anthony using uh, Prey on the Week, uh, all the, uh, but it works all the time. Is in turns one or two, if you want to send a Hellion unit to kill something really dead, you know, you're hitting on three, so it's not as reliable. So bringing a Reaver squad has been super clutch in the sense that it can use Deadly Rivals. Uh, it's a strategy that almost no one ever talks about or uses. Essentially, gives uh, if, if a Reaver unit and a, and a Hellion unit are within 12 inches and visible to each other, they each they they each give each other for one CP full rerolls to hit and plus one inch to their move. So uh, perhaps on turn three and up it's not as useful, but on turns one or two it gives your hellions an eighty nine percent hit rate, which is awesome. So I've used that a ton as well, and that's about it. All right, I like it. Um, I I noticed that neither of you. I mean. Uh, no, that's that's not true. Actually, I was about to say that neither of you went for Blackheart, but that's just straight up wrong. Anthony has has Blackheart in there. Um, I mean, I noticed that he didn't mention Vect because we talked about CP that you actually use. But I I just have to ask this question yes. because, <laughs> uh, well, quite frankly, I always remembered, or I never remembered. How often do you remember to actually use Vect? Like, uh, how often does this actually come up? Every, Every single, single game. game. All right, there we go. I have a I have a tried and true strategy with Vect where the first time an opponent uses a stratagem that makes me upset, I use Vect. And it's not the most tactical <laughs> or the bright way to use Anthony, Vect. I, Anthony, I, I'll be honest. Sure I'm going to break my professionalism it. here. I love you, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> come, come, come over and just, be, over, just, be, like, just be my kid. Let's just go on Father and Son 40K Adventures forever. <laughs> you, you got it, man. No problem. <laughs> just love adjust, it. I'll be there. <laughs> that is the um, most, like, sma- that is the most yeah, Smash the, Beetle, like, answer i've ever heard in my life yeah, <laughs> i yeah. love it i'm a i'm a be- i'm a beetle smasher man that's what you do uh yeah it's really easy to forget to use vect if you don't use it that way so i have found the trick to just be like unless i know a matchup super well like if i'm playing against a bunch of primaris obviously you vect transhuman um against black templars you vect either devout push or vicious repost um it really just depends on the matchup but general rule of thumb stuff is like the first time someone does something and i'm like i didn't like that i'll just vect it so that the next time they want to do it, it's more expensive. Um, often it's game plan disrupting, you know, things like Fire and Fade for Eldar or the three up Invuln for Harlequin bikes. If you were to take them as a Wally stand against me for some reason. Um, yeah, things like that. Um, just Vect, like, you know, if you're an aspiring Archon, the first time someone says a strategy, you're like, I didn't like that. And it seems like you'll do that again. Vect, just get it out there. Don't forget to use it. That feels bad because then you look back at the end of the game and you go, "Oh no, I didn't use Vect." 
Uh, I've definitely done that before, but I almost always remember to use it now since I've adopted my tried and true strategy. <laughs> See, I want to make fun of you for that, but also I've forgotten Vect enough times that I actually can't make fun of you. There you go. 100% See, I'm safe. the same here. I've forgotten to use Vect so many times. It's ridiculous. All righty. Well, let's uh, let's roll on with uh, with the Dark Elder here. Um, we, we've talked about secondaries. We've talked about CP. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, yield primary objectives. Um, you know, it seems almost like redundant to ask how does Dark Elder play the primary because how don't they play the primary? But to tell you what, there's going to be at least one aspiring Archon here, so let's go over it, you know, just for completeness. All right, Ruben and Anthony together speak in unison here. Uh, how do you guys score primary? Do you guys just completely overwhelm people? Do you, Anthony, do you like to abuse the court? How, how does the primary usually work for you? Primary method is violence. Um, but the real answer is the court typically holds my like one to, you know, my one backfield objective for X amount of turns, depending on matchup, either two to three. Um, and then it just like comes screaming out of my backfield, very upset that I caged it for so long. And then a raider goes back there to take over. Um, that only happens if obviously like once all their reserves are out and all the cards are on the table. But yeah, most matchups are me looking down at the table state at top of my turn and going like, okay, what do I need to do to give you a zero on primary? If that's realistic, that's the goal. If it's not, then we're looking at, you know, just we're back to step one, which is murder, which is like, how do I take away your most important pieces so later I can give you a zero on primary? Um, a lot of the mirrors that I've won as Jukari, outside of people taking to the last against me and then not scoring it, are typically a result of me creating a very large primary differential um, turns two, three, and four. Um, turn five, depending if I go first or not, I will often you know, either run, have run out of dudes or whatever, but it doesn't usually matter by that point. But yeah, that's usually the game plan. Okay, I like it. Um, Ruben, I know you've got obsec bodies that tie people in combat. Does that by any chance play into your primary strategy? Never. That's why would it ever affect my primary? No, never, never. No, no, no. That, so that's exactly how this army works. It's just, um, and that's something that I purposely built into the or into my list is just to have extremely good game into the mirror, and into admic, um, and uh, into both those matchups. Um, I feel like my advantage is just primary play. Um, I have so many tiny little obsec units that love to hold you in combat and then fight first. You know, they trade really well. They trap something or hold them with no escape and the net or just no escape, period. And then the following turn, they'll, they'll hit you first unless you charge them with something. Um, and, um, you know, it's... It, it, I don't think I scored. I don't think I've scored less than forty-five with this list on primary ever. It's 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 just extremely efficient at playing the primary mission, and that's its main goal is to play the primary. Uh, whether I swarm forward and then just swaps the deployment zones with you, or um, or you know trade enough, trade well enough that my raiders can stay back, and then my witches hold your board, your side of the board. Um, Think about it. I can send thirty witches into your deployment zone and still have forty left in mine. You know, it's 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 just a lot of obsec everywhere. Um, so yeah, that's how it that's how it does it. 
I will say the most jarring part of reading Ruben's list. Uh, sometimes my eyes glaze over when I read the Dark Elder list, but the most grueling part was actually counting the number of witches, and it was a lot more than I thought. Like, usually I, like, read a Dark Elder list, I kind of skip over the witches, I'm like, yep, there are witches, and then I just kind of keep reading. And, uh, you know what, I didn't really get it until I, like, sat down and started, like, adding up, and I was like, ooh, this is, this is, this is more witches than normal. <laughs> How I've many, played against just... this list, it's so, it's so many. Like, just think back, like, to, like, the days, like, double gene sewer cult build, or double gene sewer builds, and there's just bodies just going everywhere, and, like, you're just kind of in danger all over the place, and it's just a big... Uh, almost like a scrum in the middle of the field, and it's it's just absolutely ridiculous. Actually, I, I'm actually just curious. How many witches are there in the list? Total witches. There are 68 total witches in the list. All right, so not as many, not 70. So if you can just you know maybe up your game a little bit, that'd be nice. I did, I did in my in my revision of the list. There are 70 witches. You would be happy oh, about that. Oh, horses! <laughs> oh, he's skipping ahead on the questions. How could you do that? Well, you did kind of set him up for that one. He, I, uh, I did. You know, that's my fault. So Ruben kind of touched on this, and he said uh, his list was uh, kind of geared more towards the GW format, which for those of you uh, home listening that uh, maybe you haven't heard or haven't seen, the GW format right now is widely considered uh, in the competitive community to be the most, uh, probably the heaviest terrain out there. There are just these huge acrylic plates with GW uh, terrain on top of it that are boarded up, so you can there's there's cover just abounds everywhere. The only thing that's missing is just heavy cover, but you can easily get your entire army in cover, close to midfield, and not being able to be shot, which is just like a dream, a Dark Eldar dream. Um, so definitely, it's it's very very good for that sort of thing, um, but. Uh, I want to actually kind of pivot and ask uh, Anthony, uh, walk us through what your kind of like regional local meta, like the terrain scene up there looks like and how much did that factor into your list building? So it's fairly important, but not super important, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, our local meta, uh, shout out to my, my local store, Mythico Studios, great guys, uh, do a good job with terrain. So we typically have two big L's in the center board and then like a slightly smaller L in each deployment zone. Uh, the train gets moved depending on mission to kind of make this true. Um, typically, the other thing in your deployment zone will be a like thing that grants light cover of some variant, and then an admec structure, which is both light cover and dense. Um, so you can get an inherent minus one if you're not behind obscuring. And then in the mid board, there's also usually often, besides the two Ls, um, there's also usually a forest. So that is part of the Kronos being these absolute nightmares to deal with, because normally you can't lightning fast them, but if there's just a couple trees in front of them, then they are also minus one to hit, and that is a nightmare. Um, so that is pretty... It's not build enabling, but it's definitely build helping. Um, I didn't really have too much of an issue with the Kronos just getting like evaporated at Charity Hammer, unless I was like putting them in a position to do so on purpose. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the local. We have fairly terrain-dense boards. It's not GW's uh, level, but it's it's what I would consider like a completely acceptable version of Ninth. Gun lines are not super common. They don't function great on those boards, but you can play a shooting army without being stifled. And I obviously have, you know, I came up in that circuit playing Blood Angels, and now I play Jukari, and I'm totally happy as a melee player as well. So it's like what I consider to be a good balance. Um, but yeah, the big thing is the one thing of dense in the deployment zone, and then two more 
things of dense, like usually in the midline. So you, a lot of things are shooting through dense if they're not cutting the angles or. All right, if you're just Ruben, I'm going to bounce it back towards uh, to you. Why don't you go ahead and uh, expand a little bit on the GW format and uh, your experience playing on it? I know it's what we've been playing locally down here, uh, and just your thought process going to list and then how you kind of approach that terrain format. So as you pointed out, it's it's a, it's probably the heaviest terrain setup that we have in competitive 40k right now, or or, or off the stand off the standard board layouts. Um, it's uh, it's extremely punishing to alpha strike shooting armies like ultramarines, which have always been a problem for our dark eldar. So. Um, you know, it, it, you know, once you take the ultramarines or the ultramarine equivalent armies out of the equation, um, things get really real really fast. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I just love it. For, for Dark Eldar, I think it's, uh, it's absolutely a dream come true, like you said. Um, you know, you can set up from center board really easily with your raiders and charge literally anywhere on the board where there is uh, cover or where your opponent wants to be. So uh, there's very little movement that needs to happen on turn one for me to be able to threaten everything on your side of the board. And from every position where I can put my raiders, I can potentially hide from most of your shooting. So um it's it's again it's just a dark elder dream come true um you know because turn one i just push forward uh not even a lot just a little bit enough for me to be able to charge into your to, from into your objectives and then turns two and up you know um i usually don't go for the alpha strike that anthony goes for but uh you know there's definitely some striking and there's definitely lots of opsec charging onto objectives and that keeps happening the rest of the game so uh it kind of uh chokes the opponent and it it just and and it just tells them look you're not scoring any primary you better find another way to 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 win this game because that's just not going to happen all right well uh i guess uh you kind of hinted at this um any future revisions for your list you said you added uh two witches i believe uh what 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 kind of uh, change your list where you see it going from here um, so I actually went to, uh, I cut a Raider. I think seven Raiders was a bit too much. I, um, I thought that losing Blackheart meant I needed to have more dark lances in order to crack open Raiders. I was really specifically concerned with the mirror, um, and cracking open Raiders. I found that that was not necessary, um, just because they cannot shoot my Raiders just as I cannot shoot theirs, uh, or at least not easily. Um, so, um... I traded one raider for a uh, one raider and some ancillary unit. I believe it was a, a, a reaver unit for a big unit of ten hellions, uh, which can really leverage that art of the kill and uh, deadly rivals in the early turns. Um, and then uh, that gave me an extra twenty points to add two more witches. Um, now with great knights entering the equation, I also went ahead and traded. Uh, if they do become the threat that I think they will be, because I think they are very, very good. Uh, Dread Knights are extremely good. Um, I traded some witches. I traded 10 witches. I'm sorry, guys. I traded 10 witches and some bikes for 10 incubi, uh, which breaks my heart. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but there are incubi in this list now. Uh, pending my testing into Great Knights. Um, so it may or may not happen. Uh, I think it will. 
but uh, that's where I'm at right now. All right, uh, Anthony, what about you before we uh, close this out? Uh, any future changes to your list, or are you just going to leave success alone? Uh, for the most part, it's not going to change. Um, I'll, if Kronos catch the nerf hammer, I will likely adjust the coven detachment to be Artists of Flesh, which is minus one damage, um, and either move points around and turn the Kronos into Talos, or turn them into grotesques. I haven't really decided on what route. I will likely go with that yet. But uh, that detachment's mostly there to deal with the mirror and with Admac. So whatever helps me. All right. Well, that seems uh, entirely oh, reasonable to me. Uh, John, do you have any other questions there. before I close this out? Uh, likely I'll just move points around. Oh, like sorry. We, we lost him, Anthony. Uh, uh, you got cut out for a couple seconds go. there. Uh, right after the right after the right after you said you brought that detachment oh, for the mirror, cut? you cut out. Oh, it's just there to deal with the mirror and Admech. Um And that's pretty much it. Um, it'll likely be the Talos over the Grotesques, just because they're more fun. Um, having Just randomly having 12 Heat Lances is hilarious. Um, on top of like the random mortals and melee, yeah, that list is real fun. Uh, I played a version of that list that I affectionately refer to as Thick City uh, this weekend, just like messing around with some friends, and it did really well. Uh, it was just all Coven. It was a complete mess. It was like 10 Grotesques, 6 Talos, and 6 Kronos. It's a it's a nightmare, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, but it was a good way to test the Talos and see that that can be a good slot in for the Kronos if the Kronos eventually get the Dark Techno nerf. But for now, nothing is changing. I'll probably play this list right. until GW Honest man. Uh, John, do you have anything else before I close this out? No, I think, uh, I think I'm good to go. I'm really excited to uh, get into Episode 2 here, or Part 2 of the episode, I should say. Yeah, very excited to talk about matchups. For those of you listening, uh, thanks for joining us on Art of War 40K. If you're not a subscriber and you liked what you heard, you can sign up on the artofwar40k.com to gain access to part two of this episode where we're going to dive into faction matchups. For the sake of brevity with two guests, we're pretty much only going to talk about books that have a ninth edition codex. Spoiler alert, sorry. You can also go on to the artofwar40k.com, gain access to the war room where coaches like John uh, and then well-known uh, names like Nick Nanavati, Brad Chester, Richard Siegler break down every faction uh, with weekly clinics, strategy sessions, math clinics, and then stream games, including subscriber requests. Uh, until then, I'm your host, Tim. Yeah, and John talks with you, but not. I'm John. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. TheArtOfWar40K.com.